welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast, and I'm so thrilled to have my guest on today. His name is Jay Papazan, and he is a best-selling author and co-owner alongside his beautiful wife, Wendy, of Papazan Properties Group with Keller Williams Realty in Austin, Texas. His most recent work with Gary Keller on The One Thing has garnered more than 238 appearances on the national bestseller list, including number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And this book truly is what led me to asking to get him on this podcast, because not only was it an amazing book, but it just puts so much into perspective. And I really love the human being that he is in the world. And we talk so much about not only the book, getting focused, getting clear, but also how to balance having an amazing family life and really loving the life that you're living. So I can't wait for you to listen in on this podcast. Let's get started. Jay, I'm so incredibly excited to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I mean, I'm on the happy show. This is great. <laughs> you know what, Jay? I didn't get to even talk to you that long before this, but we did have um, get to share a little bit. And I just love your energy and you're so real. And you say that, you know, your life is an open book. And I so love that because I think those are the best teachers who we can really look at how it's being applied into your life. So you've got so much going on. You're the vice president of the world's largest real estate company. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're a dad. I can only imagine what goes into all of that. And I really, really love that you have so many, you know, amongst your many, many best-selling books, you have so many easy to follow success formulas. So where did that come from? And was there a time when your life was totally chaotic or not as it looks right now. No, um, thank you for saying all that. I think that if you looked at me in college, <laughs> I grew up a lot in the, you know, like a lot of people in the seven or eight years after, but I was really trying to kind of live the life of a fictional hero. I used to love Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever read him or watched the shows, mm -hmm. here's somebody who knows something about everything. And like he can be a duelist, he can fight with swords or I mean, like they, he kind of do everything well. And I wanted to be a Renaissance man. Like growing up in Tennessee, I thought I could write sonnets <laughs> and learn how to skin a deer and, you know, make A's in the classroom. And my life kind of reflected that. I was trying to be too many things. And it wasn't, I guess, the big pivot point for me um, was when I was working in New York and I decided to quit smoking and I ran a marathon. <laughs> And it was the first time that I took on something that was truly a challenge that like I would, you know, if I needed to make a good grade, I could usually kind of cram, you know, I wasn't really challenging myself. And that was something that, you know, you, you can't just step out the door and run a marathon. So I had to work on it and it kind of showed me, it opened up a spotlight that if I really devote myself to something for a long period of time, something extraordinary will happen. Mm. And so that would be the genesis of a, a transformation. And then working with Gary Keller, my co-author, um, he lives this book. I mean, that's why this book, and he's been my mentor. I mean, it's not, he's probably not quite there yet, but he's as close to a billionaire as you can be without being one, you know, mm -hmm. and he gets to be my mentor and he's trying to be a great husband and he's trying to be a great father and a great leader and he knows his limitations. He's good at saying no. So he's been a great role model for me. So it's the one-two punch of a personal discovery, the marathon, like, wow, I'm capable of a lot more if I focus. And then a mentor who showed up in my life who was willing to nurture that. 
Oh, I love that. And I actually love, I so relate to you, um, especially on a, on choosing something that was a physical level too, because I think there's so much wrapped around doing something challenging and sticking to it because the things that come up, I mean, what came up in your mind as you're attempting to run a marathon and quit smoking at the same time? Yeah, it was my roommate that conned me into it. Uh, (laughs) We were in New York and he said, why don't you go with me? And, you know, there's a lottery for the bibs and, you know, we'll go to this place and we'll probably not get in. But if you got in, you know, it would be a great way to quit smoking. Hmm. And um, he hated it. Even if I went outside, he could still smell it. And so what I didn't know is that if we went to this park in New York City on this day and stood in line in the cold, we pretty much were guaranteed to get in. So it was a total setup. <laughs> um, but I remember like a, a big moment. I met my wife while I was training for this marathon. This was in 1997. And I was preparing for a date and I was about halfway through. And I, if, I don't know if you've run a marathon or not, but Mm-mm. I was just following a little eight by five index card cut out of runner's world where every day I had one thing to do, and it was a mileage. You know, day one, one mile. Day two, a mile and a half. Day three, three miles. Go back to two, and then move four to three and a half. And it was just stagger start, rest day, whatever. I just That was my job to follow that chart. Mm. And on this day, I had a long run. It was a Saturday, and I was leaving, you know, early or whatever. And, oh, I came back, and I was getting ready to shower. And I remember Stephen asked me, how far did you run today? Because he, he was like an Appalachian Trail guy, and he was all about distance. And I was like, uh, I don't know, 15. And he came in and was like, high five. And I'm like, what? He goes, you ran a half marathon today. <laughs> and that was like, a, like I'm getting chill bumps because I can remember I looked up and because I was aiming at something so much bigger mm-hmm. and it was just so methodical, like just knock down today's domino, just do this thing today. I had no conscious awareness that I was about to or I had just finished running a half marathon, which for a lot of people is a huge achievement. So that was like, to me, it was almost bigger than finishing the marathon was the fact that if you aim your life at something really, you know, at the edge of what you think your capabilities are, the milestones you'll pass along the way. And, you know, and thank goodness for him, he didn't let me take that for granted, but you might take some really big ones for granted because you're just focused on something really big. Mm. So this is such a, I mean, it's running a marathon is such a metaphor for life because really it's you have to get really focused just to put in those miles, but there's so much pulling at you. Right. And I know a lot of things are coming up because there, for a lot of people probably listening to this, because even people who want to run a marathon, it's like they could be doing so many other things in their mind, right? You could be taking care of something. You could be doing this and that or what, whatever it is. So how would you get yourself to how would you get yourself to focus on it? Was there a thought? Was there mantras around that? Because that takes so much focus. And obviously every single day it was the one thing, but as you would say, you know, okay, this is what I have to do today. How would you try, or how would you make sure that everything else fell to the wayside and that you were just present in that thing and getting it done? I think if I pretended that that's what I did, it would give me way too much credit. <laughs> I, like I said, I was following an 8x5 yeah. index card. I just knew that I wanted to try this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had people around me that were willing to support me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so maybe I did a great job of picking my friends. You know, Stephen was actively encouraging me. Um, I had a boss. And I remember um, Robert Wilson at that time I would tell him, you know, I've got a long day today. I really need to get out at five because mm. I would go up to the reservoir. I got shin splints when it was my first. I'd never run a, a road race before this. Mm-hmm. And I think the longest I'd ever run was three miles. Wow. I wasn't in bad shape, but I played sports like soccer, or, you know, or rugby. But I didn't like I didn't just go run. Mm-hmm. So this was new territory. But I would have to go all the way up to this place so I could run around the dirt track. And he was just so supportive of it. So, you know, I don't know. I just think that. At that time in my life, I needed to attach myself to a bigger goal, mm-hmm. and I said yes, and I meant it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that when I'm, I'm teaching and I'm coaching and um, it resonates for me, I, re- I think the reason so many of us struggle to say no to the distractions that come up and all the little stuff is because we didn't really say yes. Mm. And I compare it to you know, saying I do to my wife. Like in that moment, like when people get married, and I know, I know people get divorced too, but 
when they're getting married, there is this real cognizant sense that this yes is bigger than the regular yes. Like by saying yes to this person, I'm actually saying no to all the other ones. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of decision making, we just don't do it enough in our lives. And I think I had that kind of yes to this commitment because I ran through shin splints. I remember that was really tough for me to recover and get back on the training program. Um, I even had a New Orleans trip already planned, which is the worst place to train for a marathon. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, because it was, you know, you're going to yes. go have fun. You know, I was in, you know, just out of graduate school. Um, but I, I, I circum, you know, I navigated all that because I, I truly believe I just made the right kind of commitment. And it was a conscious one. I really did want to quit smoking. And I really did want to experience where my limits were. Mm, I love that you said that so much because before we can even get to that place of asking ourselves, the, you know, the important question of what is that one thing, you you can't do it without truly deciding. And I always do that when I make a choice. I'm like, Lori, are you leaving a window cracked somewhere? Like, do I have a, <laughs> a little mini plan B? Do I have like a little bit of a, okay, well, if I don't get this done, I know I have some time on Friday. And I literally did it yesterday and I was like, you knew you you knew you were doing it and that's exactly what came true is it didn't happen how I wanted. And I, I know it. It's so funny that we can start to be so self-aware that I'm like, you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> so well, I, I can't remember like it's the oft evoked, but actually wasn't true. You know, was it whatever the explorer's name supposedly burnt the ships when they arrived in America? Oh. Um, that's the yes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the plan B, there's no door cracked. We burned the the, the metaphorical ships. That's mm -hmm. a, I, I love it when you have those moments because you know that it's a milestone. You know that you're making a big commitment. I love that you ask your that question. That's a great question. <laughs> Is there a window crack somewhere? Um, I, I don't know that I consciously do that, and that would probably would be a good practice. Oh, I've just, I've, I've been needing to get so clear and so focused because things that I really, truly desire are not getting done. So instead of blaming, I just, that's the quickest way for me to figure that out because <laughs> yeah. it's really an honest place. You're like, yes, yes, I am leaving a window cracked. So I was right. talking to Lewis Howes and I think he was quoting Tim Ferriss, who was quoting someone else, but he was kind of saying, if it's not a hell yes, it's a mm. no. Yes. Like, and I, he th he said it differently than that. You know, I, I'll keep it PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea that I think we underestimate how much opportunity life has for us. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're striving and you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to better yourself, it's crazy how opportunity starts to show up. And so out of a sense of scarcity or that we might miss out, we start saying yes to stuff. Mm. But um, it took some of these individuals to a place where they were literally celebrities and like there's offers to invest in businesses showing up every day that they really got the sense of if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Like I really need to be just excited in my bones if I'm really going to make a commitment because they got the idea of abundance. Mm, I love that. That's, those are such good measurable things that are easy to do and, and move forward on it. And I love that this was something that I just like have highlighted and circled and written everywhere from the book, but, um, magic happens at mm. the extremes because, you know, I, I came from this world <laughs> that loves to talk about balance and loves to talk about, um, you know, making sure that you're finding your happiness and everything. But at the same time, I like to be so transparent because, so many things in my life. And when I really look at my mentors and people who are getting things done and taking big action, it doesn't always look that way. I like to call it the effort and surrender period. So there's going to be periods of effort. And I mean, it's going to be sweaty and it's going to be hard and it's going to feel crazy. And things that you want to keep top priority are not going to feel priority except for that one thing. So can you elaborate on that just a little bit? I love that. That's from the chapter on a balanced life is a lie, if I remember correctly. And it's this idea that, especially with work, um, and I actually think with some physical stuff as well, that it's when we get outside of our comfort zone, like at the extremes of effort, that the magic really happens. And it's something I remind people of when I see them kind of fighting that idea. The subtitle for our book was A Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. If you want average, there's no extreme needed. But if you want an extraordinary life, if what you're seeking is to really to stretch and to be better, then the magic really does happen out there at the edges of your abilities because that's where we, we discover ourselves. 
That's where we have huge ahas. That's where we have breakthroughs. Um, there's a Jessica Hagee um, cartoon. Um, she's one of my favorite um, illustrators. And it's, you know, where the magic happens. And it's got a little circle and an X. And the circle's got your comfort zone. So it's always outside of that. And I keep that around me just to remind myself that you do have to kind of reach beyond things will be out of balance. Success, real success is inherently messy. Mm -hmm. And I think people have just been sold a bill of goods about that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why they keep saying, I just want to be balanced. But the way we talk about it in the book is to take balance. And it's not a noun. It's not a destination. It's not a place that you arrive at. It's a verb. Mm -hmm. If I asked you to stand on one foot, right? You'd stand there and hopefully uh, people are probably driving right now. They can't do that. <laughs> but you'd ask them and you'd say, are you balanced or balancing? And they're like immediately get, oh, I'm balancing, mm -hmm. right? Because nothing is truly ever completely balanced. It's always an active state. And just understanding that, yeah, I want more balance in my life, but it's an activity in itself. Mm -hmm. Meaning I'm going to go to the extremes at work, but that means I have to counterbalance. I have to have other things happening so I don't burn out, so I don't lose my health, so I don't lose my family or my loved ones. That, that takes an, acti an active engagement. It just doesn't happen. Mm. That's awesome. And I, you know, that's important to know because it's, it's also, it changes, right? Because if you would have yeah. told me five years ago what my life would look like now, I'd be like, no way. I mean, that is out of whack. That is crazy. Like, that's not even possible. And now it <laughs> seems so happy and normal to me. And it's almost to this point where I could get myself even more uncomfortable. And that's just, it's going to change. So, you know, when we talk to people, I, you can listen to one person, I, you know, their idea telling you what to do or whatever that is, but it's always going to be different because some people would be so bored or some people would be so overwhelmed. So it's finding your way of balancing within that. I love that analogy that you use. So I've got a good question for you because can I, I, can I add something? Yes. Just, you just said something that made me think of my kids. And it's <laughs> like, that's a, there's this idea of a geometric progression that things like you had no idea how big your life would be today, five years ago. Hmm. Like, I think that when you're on this path, you'll always keep being surprised. And the thing when I ask people to envision that future, like I really do want a big life. I want to start my own business or whatever that big dream is. Mm. A lot of people struggle to think that they could be the person who could actually do that. And the thing is, is that in the last five years, Lori, you've probably grown a whole lot. Mm. Just like your kids, you know, they look at me and, you know, like I can drive a car and I have my own cell phone and all of that. And mm. these are all like crazy, scary things maybe for a kid, like riding a bike. But as you get older, it all becomes kind of normal because you're growing up too. And I think that process just keeps going. That, that, I just, sorry, I just, like you said that oh. five-year thing and it really triggered that for me. Oh, I love that because that, so that brings me now into, that's how I describe habits is people get so overwhelmed on, okay, here's where I need to go. Cause I deal with a lot of people with business goals and body goals, right? Right. So those can be really uh, as we know, oh, two very overwhelming things, especially to do together, like get, get your life <laughs> together on your body because that's all you're thinking about. Oh my God, I'm hungry. I'm sore. I'm tired. I should, I should, I should. Like you're so stressed out even from the thought of what you should be doing. And this goes back to your marathon. That was the one thing, like that was your main focus. That was, you know, the thing, everything else in your life was probably like pretty habitual at that point. You got it down. Like you're not adding some mom, you know, huge momentous thing to your life all, you know, together. And that's what people want. They want the business. They want the body. They want it all at once. But habits don't form that way. They layer. So, yep. you know, otherwise you exhaust yourself. You get so exhausted. Even if I'm trying to do more than one new thing at all or even change my workout up or do and listen to a new podcast that maybe I'm not used to the way this style of person is. I mean, these are all little things that are overwhelming. Can, so can you just elaborate a little bit more on, you know, developing initial habits and where to start? Well, that, that's to me the heart of the book. You know, the one thing is about can you identify the one activity, the one habit, right? The thing that will most drive your success in whatever arena it is, your health, your work, and then ultimately, you want to make that a habit. So we did a lot of research around this. And I had heard that habits took 30 days or 21 days to form. But we couldn't find any scientific evidence to back that. 
we did find some researchers in Australia that were actually trying to find the answer. And according to their research, it takes about 66 days on average to form a habit. So if you figured out, like, this is going to be my one thing, like running the marathon, somewhere in that 66-day range, and, and for, for some habits, it takes a lot longer. Some actually take shorter. But at some point, it becomes habitual, kind of like brush your teeth in the morning. It's just what you do, and it doesn't take as much work. And so the idea of layering is you can become a person of many powerful habits, but just pursue them one at a time. So when I was running the marathon, right, it effectively stopped my smoking. Like I wasn't really as focused on that because if you're running 20 miles every two days, like you just don't crave cigarettes. Mm -hmm. That was the whole point. But I was focused on making the mileage. And what's funny is at the end of that, I became a runner. Like I, because I was running every day for 90 days, like it just became totally normal for me to start running five miles every day. And that's like a crazy big habit, but it was a lot less than I had been doing, but it became something that I could do and it just became a habit. And then I went from there to the next thing to the next thing. And today I look up and that's how I kind of want to orchestrate my life. I want to have rituals or habits around the areas that are most important. And it's just the whole idea of layering is you can keep adding them, but it just needs to be one at a time or you'll spread yourself too thin and you'll fail. So how did you get a clear sense of your priorities and, you know, how you wanted to do that, you know, move to the next habit? Well, I became conscious of how I was doing it in this book writing and, and definitely pursued doing it better. You know, when you look at how we describe it in the one thing, you ask a question, right? And it's mm -hmm. a, a question that comes from a lot of experience on Gary's part, but what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier and necessary or unnecessary? My enunciation there, sorry. <laughs> so what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? In my experience, when people ask a very specific question like that, most of them kind of know the answer, right? What's the one thing I can do for my marriage? Well, I could probably come home and listen more or spend more time, or, you know, I need to eat less for my health. Most people have a pretty good idea and they feel guilty for not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I think most of us know our answers and either we don't trust them or we're not slowing down enough just to even ask the question. Mm -hmm. So that to me is like when people stop and ask me, I just throw the question right back at them and they'll, because it's in that special moment, they'll actually think about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's this. My advice is always, well, then run with that for a little while. Get experience with that for a little while. And chances are you'll tweak it as you go and you'll be on the right path. Mm, yes. I think there's there's so much that even when we ask a question, because we, I believe we have an inner knowing. And when we start asking the questions, that's when we can start feeling it. So I think it's so much about, you know, there you, you broke it into categories in the book. And I loved that because... At first, I wanted to ask you these questions around, okay, how do people know? You know, what category do we start in first? But truly, I think when you get quiet, and even if you look at the category, there's going to be one that's kind of a little more blaring to you than others. <laughs> it's like, okay, yes, this one. Maybe more than one for some of us. Mm -hmm. It really depends on where your self-esteem is at this very moment. But I, I know exactly the page you're talking about. In the, in the U.S. edition, it's page 114. And it's, it's my favorite page. Mm -hmm. As much as I love business, it's... Honestly, I'm living my life for a lot of the other areas, mm -hmm. you know, your spiritual life, your physical life, your, your personal life, your key relationships. We just kind of broke it down into seven buckets where you could say, what's my one thing here? And it's funny. I just had a group of people um, that were visiting and they asked about this. And you can just do this on the back of a napkin. If you were to write those areas, your spiritual life, your physical life, your personal life, that's like your hobbies, right? What do I do for myself and no one else? your key relationships, your job, your business if you own one, and your finances, I just tell people right now without really thinking about it, and this is, goes to your inner knowing, score yourself one to 10 in each of those areas. Where one is you should be fired, right? You pay, they need to call your parents and send you home from school. 10 is you're just nailing it. It's really hard to think about getting much better. In my experience, when people do that fast, nobody scores themselves a 10 right? It just doesn't happen. But you do see some twos and threes. And you do see some sevens and nines. And my question usually then is, 
You've got an opportunity now. You can, because it just becomes real clear when you put that number there, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got a three on my personal life, which describes a lot of professional women, by the way, because they're taking Mm -hmm. care of everyone but themselves. And you have it, you can take that, focus on taking that three to a nine or a 10, or you could take your seven on your job or your seven on your key relationships because you're nailing your work and you're nailing your family but you're neglecting yourself. Do you want to raise one of those to a 10 or do you want to fix the pain? I'll tell you from experience, almost everyone goes to the pain point. Mm. Mm. And in fixing that, the other stuff, we call it the halo effect now. Um, and it's, we didn't even really, we wrote about it like a paragraph in the book mm. and we'd seen it in the science. And now that we're working with people more, I'm seeing it. Like because someone is focused on, like my wife is going to ceramics classes at night. She went last night. Mm. Like, the fact that she's doing self-care is going to spill over into her other areas of her life and make it better. So it's not like you're neglecting everything else for one thing. You are focusing on one thing. And ironically, some of those other things are going to benefit as a result. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's that's so amazing. Um, it's funny. I want to take a ceramics class, too. So I'm, I'm like just wanted to dive in about asking <laughs> she's, she's making to be coffee cups or what is she doing? She's an entrepreneur. Yeah, she's making pots. She goes, I made so many pots last night. She was ecstatic. Oh, my gosh. And she goes, it's just so process oriented because she runs a big business. They've done over 40 million in sales so far this year. Wow. So she's got that complexity during the day. And she's like a habit for her. Yeah, it was like ecstasy. It was great. It was fun to see her come home last night. She was bouncing off the walls. See, that's so From a huge. ceramics class. <laughs> I know. Tell her to start a, a, a ceramics Instagram page for me so I can drool over her stuff um, <laughs> as if she's not busy enough. Um, but really, it, that is huge. When I do anything like that, not only do I just feel more of a sense of, you know, because you're focusing on that on that one thing, right? She's probably really enjoying letting her creative side out, um, enjoying the focus on that because your mind is not going to all of these other places. So you don't feel as stressed out. You don't feel as exhausted. You feel like you got a little bit of you time. When you do that, you're just more full in every single area. Um, my husband and I danced for a really long time. We still do sometimes um, ballroom dancing. And I will tell wow. you, it was like therapy. It was like couples therapy on top of stress reliever on top of, um, shining a light on all of your crap in your relationship. Like it was, <laughs> it was like, I love you. I hate you. This is your fault that I'm not dancing. Well, um, it was, it was great. <laughs> um, but Who's really eating right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. My wife and I took dance classes too. It's hard to have two a personalities because someone, they both want to lead. Oh my God. We were both leading. He was like, please, for the love, let me lead. And I was like, okay, but that was interesting too, right? Like letting me be in the masculine and feminine and like, when is it time? And when is it beautiful? And when is it, it's like, it's so interesting. We could go on and on about that, but really you are so correct that it just goes into every one thing could really up those numbers by quite a bit. And I love that you said opportunity because that is the most beautiful. That's what we have. That's where we have to go instead of getting overwhelmed by, Oh my God, I'm such a loser. My numbers are so low. It's like, wow, I've got a lot of opportunity to be way happier in my life. And I think because we're living in the moment with ourselves, I don't know why people do this, but we always assume the people around us are doing better. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, um, my mentor, I've seen him go on big stages and talk about how, you know, his son was in trouble or, you know, some big disaster in his life or a health problem. And I remember asking him, was like, you just were in front of 8,000 people and talking about, you know, his son getting in trouble. And I was like, why are you doing that? He goes, well, because I don't want them sitting there and thinking because I built this company that my life isn't just as crazy as theirs. Mm. And the fact is, I think there are very, very, very few people who are that transparent. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we tend to misinterpret what success really looks like. And we're so much harder on ourselves. Everybody's got twos and threes. So it's an opportunity. It's not doesn't mean you're broken. Mm. Jay, do you think that we can have all tens at once? Um, I want to live my life as if that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. The reality is if a 10 represents some kind of mastery, that's going to be really Mm -hmm. challenging. Um, I believe in the science, you know, it's 10,000 hours of focused practice Mm -hmm. and maintenance. Um, The reality is um, you've probably got room for about two or three areas in your life. Most people won't even do one. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I've known people who are masters at business and also like could be a semi pro in golf. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have to narrow it down and realize that we don't have all the time in the world to pursue all of these things to those levels, but none of them has to be deficient. And mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that. Mm, I um, love that they could all be sevens. Right. Mm-hmm. Which would be on the very positive side. There's no reason they couldn't be sevens or eights. But a 10, I want to believe it's possible because I want to stretch my limits. But the reality is it's not probable. You're probably going to be a 10 in one, maybe two areas. You know, I actually love that just because it, it, it excites me because so much, and I, and I know that this will probably be the same for you, is that so much of what excites me every day is the fact that if I put some work into something, I can feel better or get better or um, learn something more. And that's really for me where my joy and happiness lies is constantly in the learning and growing. So to me, it actually sounds like, well, I don't want to be a 10 in all areas because then what? Then what? You know? And and a 10 doesn't mean it's perfection because I think true mastery, the way we learned it was in our research for the book is, it's just really the mindset of a perpetual student. Mm. And the the lessons you're learning are still around the basics, but they're going to a level of minutia. Like we studied these um, huge white papers on swimmers, like Olympic swimmers. They're still getting coached on their stroke, Mm. but it might be the angle of their pinky now, right? They've got almost everything down and they're doing stroke after stroke and they're just cognizant of this tiny thing that an amateur wouldn't even be aware of. And there's a great book by um, a guy named Leonard called Mastery, where he describes, I believe he was learning judo or aikido. I can't remember. But this journey and how pleasant it is. And I remember after reading that and doing the research, I was like, wow, it really is the basics. But because you've been doing them for so long, you get the joy of seeing the nuance in them. And there is real joy. I mean, everybody, it's not just you. When we are getting better and making progress, that's where our greatest happiness comes from. That's just a fact. When we arrive at the destination, I mean, when you score a touchdown, what do you do? You run to the bench. Mm. But the progress you make along the way is where most of life's happiness comes from. So yeah, keep growing. Mm. Set giant goals that you can never hit. (laughs) Done and done. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I, I love that. I feel like I just would really love if you guys could print wallpaper with the spiritual relationships, job, business, finances, personal, just because I feel like life goes in seasons. And sometimes, you know, I just came out of a, a major business season and I, we like to do like 90 day pushes, just what, you know, how can we stretch ourselves for these 90 days? And then, um, you know, take a break. Well, at the end of the 90 days, we were so, we were doing so well and we were so excited. We had so much going on that we, 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 my husband and I came and we had a little meeting and we were like, you know what, let's just add 30 more days. And then we added probably another 15 days. And all of a sudden we were so burnt out that it was like, we both felt crazy and we were starting to resent people and resent things and probably resent each other. Um, so how do you know, are there some signs for you in your life when it's time to stop and realize it's a change of the season or even to let a good thing, you know, kind of simmer down to maybe focus on some other things? Wow. Okay. So you just described, I mean, I think every entrepreneur has been there. You know, they've gotten passionate about their vision and kind of lost themselves to it, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So kind of the approach that we've pursued around this is I just kind of set some tight parameters about the hours I give to work. Mm. Now, I try to go home and, you know, for our family, we've made a decision that except for Fridays, we're going to eat at the table together. You know, Whole Foods, the real deal. Because we read a lot of research that that's just really good for their kids and parents, mm-hmm. that FaceTime with the TV off, Friday nights and movie nights. So we get to do whatever we want. But, you know, there's that ritual. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's a clock ticking in my mind. And it means that during the day at work, I just have to be a better employer of my time. So I may not goof off at the coffee pot. I may not spend a little time on Facebook. I may neglect it for days at a time. Because I do have a commitment to being great at work and doing my best work here, but that I also have a bigger commitment to being present and have the energy to give my family. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you guys are in a special boat. You're both entrepreneurs in the same business. So you would probably have to hold each other to that standard. But you can chip away at it. You know, my wife and I, when we had two kids 16 months apart, um, our, you know, my personal life, right, my key relationship habit, we established date night. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make it a habit. Well, we couldn't do it on Fridays and Saturdays because we just couldn't reliably get a babysitter. So tonight is a Wednesday when we're recording this, and it's date night. And I look forward to my Wednesdays because I know that for all the craziness in our life, there's this oasis that happens every seven days where we get to go out and reconnect. And it's funny, everybody in my life, we've been doing this for now seven, eight years. Everybody in our life now knows this about us. They're like, hey, Jay, it's five o'clock. It's Wednesday. Go home. It's date night. <laughs> right? And yeah. everyone is, I mean, it would be the same thing if they saw me smoking a cigarette because that would be the wrong habit for me, Right. Mm -hmm. People know us by how we behave on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so this has become a part of the fabric of our life. Do I violate that sometimes? Yeah. Like Wendy's going to be traveling next week. Um, I'll be traveling the week after. But by and large, I bet we still get a minimum of about 45 dates a year. Mm -hmm. And that's the minimum, right? Because you know, we went to a wedding last week. We go on vacations. But we created an island and we time blocked it. That's the language we use and said, that's what this time is for. And we just don't violate it unconsciously. Mm. And getting home, like, so that means like, that's how you don't burn it out. You could have a launch that went on forever. But if you were only working from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever you thought was an acceptable level, that means you're always getting your rest. You're not burning it till midnight every night. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. So just, you, you know, I will tell you, we learned so many lessons just from this last one. And it's funny, we have done it many times before where we've been like, well, we can't do that again. And then we do it again. But, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's also I think that's a part of the learning process. But just like you said, um, we've gotten so much better, especially because we work together with um, learning to set boundaries like him and I know, now know that we need to plan in every three to four months um, seven to nine days of totally off some somewhere else traveling like love outside it. of our house because our house is our office and we love to work so we can work on the weekends. We can talk about work, all that good stuff. But, um, if we don't get out of here and get out of this energy, no matter if we even said, we're going to take three days off and do nothing. There's our laptop. We'll pick it up. We'll be like, Oh, but this is fun. You know? So yeah. now we know that. And also we have a, um, a fry date. So that's our Friday date day, Love it. <laughs> but we we've been traveling a lot. So it's just getting back to that. And I, and I love that you said that because it's not easy to establish it in the beginning. It's wow. easy to set an appointment there so that the rest of my week isn't so stacked up. But I'll tell you what, if I don't have that Friday date, I feel disconnected. I don't feel like I ever get a break. So I love that you have that. So what are some things, you know, cause definitely things have tried to get in the way. What is the language you use around that? And what are the reminders that you guys do to make sure that stays clear? Well, one technique, like at the very beginning of the year, we do it before the year. I'll go to my calendar. My wife and I will pick when we're most likely to go on vacation. Mm. You know, it's one of the reasons that so many people like they give up, you know, weeks of vacation every year. Americans are horrible about this. Europeans are so much smarter than we are <laughs> at getting the rest they need so that they can come back and be strong. And that's what a vacation is for someone who works hard. Mm -hmm. So we have those blocked out. And the, the funny thing is, you know, if we've got a week blocked out for this or, you know, two weeks for that, if it's on the calendar way in advance, work will naturally slot around it. It's very rare that some big opportunity will happen right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And you could choose to violate it then or move your vacation to that place or whatever that was. That's all viable. But for the most part, I've found that if you put it on your calendar early enough, even if you don't know where you're going, but especially in a married couple, it's on both your calendars. Neither of you is going to book that time without hopefully getting permission from the other one. So it tends to kind of stay there. So the vacation happens. The same thing happens with my calendar for, I have a, a recurring invitation to go on a date with my wife on Wednesday nights. Mm. So when someone tries to send me an invite that overlaps that, what do I see? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a simple technique. Um, some research we read after we wrote the book, so we went back and not everyone's edition has it, 
but it was in the uh, British Journal of Health Psychology. And they were trying to get people to exercise for 20 minutes a day. And so they had the control group. They were just told, go exercise for 20 minutes a day. The motivation group was told to exercise for 20 minutes a day. And they were given a pamphlet about all the benefits to your health, your love life, your heart, you know, you know, from 20 minutes a day of regular exercise. Mm -hmm. And the last group they called the intention group. And they had the same literature about motivation, why they should work out, but they had to do one additional thing. They had to make a written commitment about when and where they were going to get their 20 minutes of exercise. Mm. So in essence, they had to create a calendar invite. Mm. So the simple act of navigating your calendar right? I know why I should do this, but when and where am I going to do it? It went from 35% likely to achieve the goal to 91% likely. Mm. So it's a simple act of making an appointment, like you would keep it with a stranger, but now you're going to keep it with yourself, made people almost three times more likely to do what they wanted to do. Oh, yes. I love that you have the actual um, percentages because for me, I mean, I'm like 100% failure rate if it doesn't get planned and 100% <laughs> um, it, it will absolutely, if it's on my calendar, it's happening. Um, and because it takes an intentional canceling and that makes me ask myself questions of- There you go, that word intention, you know? did you hear it? That's what yes. the researchers called it. Mm, By yep. making the commitment, you're- it's showing a degree of intention that wasn't there by just thinking it or saying it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And it just, it, it, that's what it does. I didn't, I mean, I know what it does, but when you really go into the layers of what it does, it's actually making yourself be so aware that if you're going to cancel this, why, why are you doing that? And what are you missing out on? So really, really interesting. Um, I love that. All right. So what do you do every single day to earn your happy, to make yourself happy that you know you can't miss? Um, it's family time for me. Mm. I mean, my purpose is very tied to being kind of the best husband and father. Totally cheesy, barf in your mouth oh, stuff. I love but, it. I love it. We oh, celebrate yeah. that here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's written on the top of my goal sheet that's with me everywhere I go. And I translate that, like, if I want to be the best father I can be, like, well, I need to show them that you can live a big life at work and still be a husband and a father. Like, it all, it all ties together for me. Mm, so yes. for me, like, this morning, you know, we have a trainer that shows up at 530 in the morning. That was our health habit that we committed to together. And we've been doing that for almost five years now. Mm. And um, it's a tough workout, but the accountability is, like, if we don't wake up, he's knocking on the window. <laughs> it's great. It's like that, like your dance class, it's kind of a therapy class. It's mm -hmm. that extra hour in the day that I get to spend with my wife. And some magic happened this week. My son, who's 12 years old, said, I'd really like to start working out with y'all. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's great. You're going to have to set your alarm and make your way down because we'll be in the middle of our workout. And I didn't want to do it for him, right? I wanted it to be his. So he slept through it on Monday. And when I went up to check on him, you know, to wake him up so he could go to camp, he was a little teary-eyed because he was mm -hmm. upset with himself. So he woke up this morning, did an amazing job in the workout. The poor guy threw up twice afterwards. <laughs> yeah. He's, it was hot. It's hot yeah. here, even at 530 in the morning. But I was just so proud of him. And it was just mm -hmm. that moment where we were all in the pool afterwards trying to relax and decompress. And I was like, it's just so great to launch my days with my family in the morning. So that morning time with my family is absolutely where I earn my happy because I've launched my day with something really important to me. Oh, I love that. And what a great lesson for him. And I'm just always, you know, because uh, Chris and I want to be parents later on. And it's just I'm soaking in everything. So thank you so much for that. Um, so where can we I've loved this conversation. First of all, thank you so much. I feel like I could keep you on here forever, but I'm going to let you, you know, enjoy your family. So I'm so grateful for you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I've, I've loved it too. I love the whole point Ugh. of your podcast and who you're trying to reach because there's a lot of strivers out there and uh, they need to keep earning that every single day because that's what we're here for, right? I mean, Gosh. I just love it. Yes, absolutely. I know I feel, I feel like I'm the blessed one who gets to receive really on this end. So, all right, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? All that good stuff. Um, you know, luckily my name, Jay Papazan is super easy to Google. So, um, <laughs> the one thing.com is where everything about the book is. And that's the number one thing.com. We've got tons of free resources on there. Um, 
definitely check that out. And then, you know, I manage my own social pages. I drop in for a very small time block in the morning and the afternoon. Um, but I definitely respond when people reach out with questions about the book. It may take me a day or two, but I get to it. So people can absolutely feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, or Facebook, or Instagram. You guys, he does respond. He, this is totally how I have him on my podcast is because he responded on my Instagram. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, <laughs> all right. So last and final question. If you are on an elevator with somebody and you only have about 30 seconds left and they look over at you and they say, how can I make myself happy? What would you say? Well, I'll go with the theme of this. I think that get comfortable saying no so you can really say yes. Mm. Oh, so good. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it, tweet it, shout it out. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. 
then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community. And everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. <laughs> 